How can the Big 12 and the Pac-12 keep up with the Big 10 and the SEC and one team at least in the ACC? That is today's Talking Point. I am Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. Spencer McLaughlin is here of Locked On Pac-12. And, uh, you know, as many differences as these conferences have had, one thing has kind of been consistent, at least in the recent kind of memory, uh, it's been difficult for them to win championships. The Big 10, the SEC, and then Clemson have won a lot. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to solve anything, I guess, today, but I guess kind of figure out what the path is to a championship for some of these schools. And um, it, it comes at a time where we've got only one Spencer, one 14 college football playoff left. Then we're going to go to 12. But to me, I'm not really sure. Which 12. makes me sad, but oh well. Yeah, I'll, I know keep, makes you I'll, sad. I'll, I, keep I don't support, think, I'll keep supporting the sport, I guess. It, it, it'll put more teams in. I'm not sure it gets. Let's start there. Does a 12 team playoff get the Pac 12 and the Big 12 closer to a championship? No, even not more teams even there. remotely close in my view. Great case uh, in point of, of why I, I believe this exists at the FCS level, by the way in North Dakota State. North Dakota State is the Alabama of FCS football, which, by the way, if you have never followed, is electric in many places, just as loud, as big, as popular, and as passionate as uh, as FBS football. But in terms of you know the in-stadium experience, if you go to the right place, I've been to several, and they're really, really awesome. But go look at how many national championships North Dakota State has won since 2010. Yeah, it'll give the Pac-12 and the Big 12 basically an automatic bid into the playoff every year right it's the six highest ranked conference champions hard to see how even in in the current and evolving college football landscape the big 12 and pac 12 don't fall into that conversation with whoever those conference champions are but just because you put more teams in there like the fcs playoffs do it is still going to come down to who's got the best team and who's got the best coach and who's the most well-run program and that is consistently been North Dakota State. They are Alabama down there and they win all the time. And I think that, you know, people who who proclaim the notion, well, you'll have more parity if you have 12 teams in there. Which national championship team is losing to a team that couldn't get into the top four over the last several years? Who 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 that didn't make the 14 playoff a year ago was beating Georgia either of the last two seasons? I don't see where that team is. Who was beating LSU in 2019? Who was beating Bama in 2020? The calculus for winning a national championship remains the same. We'll just give some participation trophies out to a bunch of teams. All right, in, but in here's what I'll push back on this. It's going to make the product better, right? I mean, think about how bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, think about how bad our New Year's Six Bowls have become because of the, of the type of talent that is deciding not to play in those games but you so, don't have a you but you don't have a guarantee that that's that that level of talent i agree opt-outs are not great for bowl season though i am still a, a fan of bowl season writ large but you don't have a guarantee that a guy who's going to be a top five pick and is playing on a number 10 seed is going to you know stick it out right, into but the i playoff. think i think i think if we're talking about you're in you can compete for a national championship you've got that opportunity uh, i think there'd be some questions asked of some guys who decided at that point of the year, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm not going to, because it's, it's different, right? So let's just say if Marvin Harrison Jr. Right now said, look, I, you know, I think I'm the best receiver in next year's draft. I am not going to play. He is right. So he's like, I'm not going to play at all. I'd be like, this makes a lot of sense, right? Jamar Chase did this. 
if you play a whole season, 12 games, and that's actually funny because it's, it's, it's weird to argue this, but you know, you could argue, Hey, that person gave more to their school, but if they opted out and they've gotten their team there with a chance to win a title, I, I think generally speaking, there will be some guys who do what you say, but I just think of that Carolina A&M Orange Bowl of a couple of years ago was here's Sam Howell and none of the guys he was throwing passes to were handing <laughs> yeah. the ball off to the entire season. And it makes for a crappy product. And so what you're now doing is you're flipping those games into playoff games, right? Which I think is good. I completely agree with you when it comes to who our champion, our eventual champion will be. I could not agree more with you. The data bears that out. The FCS bears that out. We're all on the same page. Yeah. But I think there is nothing wrong with adding more consequential games to the system. And also at the same point, same point too, you know, the NFL just went to, um, and I don't love the fact that there's, I don't think there's seven teams that should be in. No, nope, I don't like it either. But who's complaining about more football on wildcard weekend? I'm certainly me. Not. I'm it's not gonna, me. Well, I'm the guy. You know, Spencer, Spencer, you are. That makes you like, that's like the most communist thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, come whoa, on. Whoa, more whoa. football on wildcard weekend? What? Um, okay, I am a. <clears throat> And I'm a week, I'm an anti week seven. I'm an anti seventeen games guy too. Sorry, I, I, like, I don't even need. There, but... Like I'm like we didn't need the extra game, but I will take the extra playoff team, even though I, I'm not really sure what it does. I am a Seahawks fan. Have been my, my entire life. They are my beloved NFL team. They were the beneficiary of the rule last year. That team should not have been in the playoffs. I I am just a stickler for having the necessary urgency in the regular season that we have had in football for all this time. And it's always been more prevalent in college than the NFL, by the way, which is my biggest objection to going to a 12-team playoff. Is now when Alabama loses, the whole country is not going to care. Because guess what? Alabama's going to lose two or three games and still get into the playoff. That's not as exciting. But yes, but, I, I I I do think there is a certain there is a certain amount of that. I think you're right. But we do have to acknowledge that six automatic bids does make this does make it a little bit yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not totally against it. Like, I don't think it's all negative to me. The negatives just outweigh the positives that the that the college football playoff brings. I'm not a huge fan of, of bowl game opt outs, but I do think that the silver lining there is for fans of those particular teams. You get an opportunity to see guys. Maybe- yeah, but I don't want to see that in the Orange Bowl. Right. Like the Orange Bowl. should yeah, okay, be for OK, OK, I mean, OK, that's fair. But you also have to look at you know, the, the really talented teams. And I suppose Ohio state's a bit of an, an exception here, but look at like the 20 was it's the, not this past Rose Bowl, Rose Bowl, but the one before, right. Like against played, against, against Utah, game. right. Ohio state's wide receivers sat out of the game. Sure. But then we were introduced to Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison, but not every team is not every team, right. is, not, is not, not, it, not every team is Ohio state, but it does provide an opportunity on, on that front. But look, if that is, a, a byproduct of expanding the playoff that, okay, like I, I will acknowledge that that is a positive, positive. It's not enough for me to change my stance personally on how I, I feel about the whole thing. Right. But I do think that if that comes about, I'm, I'm here for, cause I don't like opt-outs because I I'm very much a traditionalist. I like bowl season. I was fine with the 14 playoff, by the way. I, I think, I think four, maybe six, but eh, I, don't, I don't really, I don't really need six. Like if you want to do six, that's fine. But anything. I like oh, the inclusive nature though of the, of the 12, right? Like the fact they're doing six conference champions. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, man. But the, we, there's, there's a, there is going to be one conference every year, Spencer, that we call the group, the group of five, which is like the least inspired name ever. It's going <laughs> to get a team in there every year. And I actually don't care if they get ragdolled by somebody. 
they're going to be in the, the damn dance. Which yeah, I no, I know. I think I, I think it's good for them to have that. But we also nice. saw that it is possible for a group of five team to get into the college football playoff. That is not an impossible right, feat. Right. No, but but it's extremely challenging to do. I mean, it's always I, I, I it's it, always I'll challenging. It, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way. Cincinnati had to put the work in in the previous like they're 12 and one in 2020, whatever year it was. I think it was Help, 2020. Right. So the year they lost, to, they only lost to Georgia in in that bowl game. That you know they really should have beat Georgia in that bowl game. But wait, they, which Cincinnati team are you talking about? They played the Alabama. one that did not make the, the one that did not make the playoff. Oh, okay. They basically had to go like twenty three and one in two years to do it. Like they had to earn all of that respect to me. get there. Okay, that's 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 not fair. No, I, no, I'm good with that because you're 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 operating in a different level of competition, as we know. Yeah, but once again, they they had well, they, once they won the field with Georgia, who one year away from winning the national championship, and were just as good as them. If they'd managed the clock better, they would have won the game. Well, all I'm saying is, is that it should not be a situation where a team has to put in a two year stretch of 23 and one football because every single year should be independent. Cincinnati had to earn the respect one year and then cash it in the next year with a perfect season. And actually, they gave Alabama, I thought, a better contest than a lot of schools gave. Alabama I, I think, I think that, I think the better, the, the better way for a group of five teams to have a better shot at it under the current model. And this point is, I suppose, moot at uh, this point in time since the 12 team playoff is on its way after this season is to alter the scheduling, give them a chance to put a quality non conference opponent on their resume every single year so that if they feel as a program, they are ready to go try and play Notre Dame like Cincinnati did have that on their resume and then go unbeaten or one loss in conference play and have a chance to, you know, get it, get into the playoff. I I think that's, I think that's a positive thing. The issue is for them though, once you start getting like Cincinnati, the number of power five schools that want to play you and, and also do a, you know, play you at home as well in a home and home situation. Yeah, no, the the, the scheduling is a separate conversation right right it's such I, a conversation I'm, I, I'm in favor of certain requirements for all power five schools that you have to have at least a certain number of of games on on there but that that'd be not a problem for the pac-12 and big 12 they can they can get yeah. they can get sufficient number of games so we'll talk more about this first quick word more the folks at built bar healthy and amazing uh an amazing taste i should say our built bars covered in 100 real chocolate they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream uh it's hard to fathom how they can get so much and not in the calorie department into these bars only 130 calories four grams of sugar which is actually that's a good amount of sugar right you know you put the carbs in get ready for the workout whatnot uh so just four grams of sugar despite the fact of being completely covered in chocolate and also whopping 17 grams of protein you guys can get them now at walmart or at sam's club in the big all variety pack. Spencer and I are both fans of the built bars so make sure you guys check them out. So Spencer, a point that you brought up and it's totally right is that 12 team playoff does not get big 12 and pack 12 schools closer. It actually gets them further away, right? Because the number of games you have to win to get to a championship does it has, make them further away? That's an interesting makes, right. question. So I haven't this. thought about that before. In a fourteen playoff, how many games do you have to win to be the crown of the national champion? Uh, fifteen. Two. No, no, no. I'm saying if you so TCU, how many games once they were in the playoff they have to oh. win? To win the oh, oh, right, 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 right. It now you put yourself into the twelve team playoff, and even if you get a bye, you have to do the round of eight, the round of four, and the championship game, which. 
for the Big 12 and the Pac-12 schools means you most likely are going to have to beat three Blue Bloods to be crowned champion. And we saw how that went for TCU this year, right? They got one of them. And they and, and once again, they never trailed Michigan in that game. Not once. Uh, they shot themselves the foot uh, you know, just as much as Michigan did. Still never trailed. But once they met Georgia, my God, was there a difference? Yeah, there, and, there was. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just, I, I was just, just going to say there, it, there, know, the there was a massive there was a massive difference there yeah. to be sure. But I think that Michigan game was telling because the Big Ten has been long perceived as stronger than the Big Twelve and the Pac twelve for for quite some time. And as you pointed out, TCU led that entire game and they could not be stopped. Michigan had no answers for them in that department. Now Georgia did. I think when you look at these great SEC teams, I think that's when some other conferences most notably the Big 12 and the Pac-12, but kind of the Big 10, it's kind of matchup dependent there. Sometimes you just have to throw up your hands and say, all right, I give up. Just you're the best team this year. That, that that's sort of what it is because they're just capable of reaching that level. Whereas other conferences are not, but you see the big 12 going toe to toe with the big 10 in the playoff. And I just wonder, Josh, if Ohio state, beats Georgia, which they very nearly did. Like, I think there's there's I mean, a coaching yes. and schematic element here as well. Like, I, I think we all agree at some level, Sonny Dykes' TCU team this year in year one was a bit of a flash in the pan, right? They had a lot of things go their way, a lot of close games yeah. that they, en- they ended up pulling out. They were a very good team, but if they you... They old, too, which really had... They got a right, lot of old yeah, dudes. They, the were, they were a veteran team, they, team. but I, it feels like they caught lightning in a bottle, and if you play out that season 10 times... You know, the old uh, the old miracle speak from uh, speech from Herb Brooks. Right. It's like if you played him 10 times, they might win nine, but not this game. If you play out that season for TCU 10 times, nine out of 10 times, they're probably not even in the playoff. That one, they are there. But it, it's such a fascinating thing to examine TCU and say, OK, so here they were beating the Big Ten champs who drubbed Ohio State in, in Columbus. But then Ohio State went toe-to-toe with Georgia for right. the entirety of the game. But then TCU led it, Michigan the, the entire time. the reason for that being is that Georgia, Ohio State is an athletic team, right? The athleticism of Ohio State. But they don't have the physicality. Was, right, which which was the weird part of this. And, yes, and it was very strange. It was very strange. To see well, CJ Stroud, Stroud and his receivers Michigan were very, now, very good. Now, Michigan now in consecutive years has beaten the hell out of, out of Ohio State at the point yeah. of attack. And they could not do it to TCU. And then George turned around and did it right to TCU. You know, what we have to acknowledge here, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, Spencer, but the blue chip ratio that Bud Elliott does every single year. Basically, if those of you do not know, the blue chip ratio is something that Bud Elliott puts out. It says to win a Nash championship, and this, this is basically uh, borne out in the data, to win a Nash championship, you must have more four and five stars on your roster than you do three stars and below. And I, I don't know how he factors transfers in, but I think it's somewhat similar. The only team in either of these two conferences, and this is the only remaining team in either of these two conferences that satisfies that rule is the Oregon Ducks. And last year in 2022, they were at 60%. And I, I expect Spencer, you're, you're an Oregon guy too. Um, not to get too specific though. They'll continue to satisfy that. But, but with that being said, they don't feel like they're that, close to winning a a championship at least at the moment right i think we go back and we look at the way that oregon state just ran the ball repeatedly and then did it like 25 times in a row we look at the way that utah handled them twice the previous season and we can kind of feel that way so 
you know, you need to be in that group. The question is, and I think, I think you probably feel the same way about this. Clemson's the model because they're the real outlier, right? Weird private school, small town, very small. Clemson's a private school. It is. I did not know that. It is. Clemson, small private school. Well, it's not small, small, but private school, South Carolina. They had a very good football program for a, a, a long amount of time. But Clemsoning was the joke, right? It could never get over the hump. Dabo Sweeney has great coordinators. He's not an X's and O's guy, but he has really good X's and O's guys who help him along the way. They're able to get really awesome talent and they're able to break through with fantastic players, not people. Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, guys like that. Obviously, the amount of talent they've had in defensive line. Uh, obviously, the skill position players they had, they've had as well, right? Trevor Lawrence, quarterback too. And so... The question I think I have for you, Spencer, is, you know, Oregon's kind of the top candidate out of everybody, even though you think, hey, why isn't TCU top candidate? Well, like you said, like it's hard to see that happening again. And also, I think any team that has that we've coalesced type year, it's hard to win like that because once you reach the mountaintop, like the very, very top, you're playing teams that have been there a bunch before and coaches who have like much like Kirby, he's lost multiple times in games that he's been winning. He's learned from his losses clearly and is, knows what the hell he is doing. So how do you do it is the question. Yeah, I, 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 think, I, think there, I think there's a confluence of factors that have to take place. Like the, the recruiting element appears to be a pretty well borne out by the data as, as you yes. referred to. And Oregon does expect to be from a recruiting standpoint, you know, in 2022 and 23, like in, in that sort of range. But still, you saw how they matched up with Georgia, the national champions in – uh, in, in in September of this past year, right? Look much was, like TCU did, <laughs> right? They looked exactly <laughs> like 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 TCU did. So, I, I think that you you have to have that as as a component, but it's not the only thing you have to have. You've got to have the coaching chops. And I love what you yeah. brought up with Kirby Smart and Dabo Sweeney. For anyone listening or watching this right now, can you tell me when Dabo Sweeney was hired as Clemson's head coach? Correct me if I'm wrong here, Josh. I believe it was around 2009 or 2010. Yes. His yeah, first national 20, championship 21. came in 2016. Building this stuff up and then having a college football season in which you have the perfect storm of events. You've recruited well. You've got great coordinators who haven't left you for head coaching positions yet. You've got spectacular players. You've probably got a great quarterback in there. Oh, nine, by that, the way. Just that's to... oh, nine. Yeah. That sort of stuff takes a long time to build, right? And it's why fans, you know, stay invested in this sport and why you can get so excited about one particular season, right? Like look at Oregon State. Their fans are buzzing right now because they're wondering, hey, is Jonathan Smith about to build this thing into a perennial eight to 10 win team? And if we do that for five to six years, can we raise our recruiting profile? Can we win a Rose Bowl, get to a Rose Bowl, get to a Pac-12 championship game, right? It's all about the future and the long game because that's usually what it takes Nick Saban didn't win in year one at Alabama, but even if you you know are wa- wanting to talk about Saban, he's the outlier, right? He's not he's not the rule. He is right. the exception, right? Other national championship winning coaches. How long was Jimbo at Florida State? How long was Dabo Sweeney at Clemson? How long was Kirby Smart at Georgia? How long was Georgia mm-hmm. a really really good team? This stuff is just not done in a day. So for for our two conferences, Josh, is it attainable? Y- yes. Is I it don't harder? think it is. Well, or at least no. I don't. Well, it is. 
But like here, so the Oregon State example, go ahead, go ahead, finish. Here, here's what I feel like the Big 12 and Pac-12 need going forward if they're going to get over that hump, right? I mean, USC leaving the Pac-12 is obviously a killer to their chances. Now you're basically looking at Oregon, Washington in the short term. I, I don't think Utah is quite there, though they're – but, you know, Whittingham might retire and like all the, all that sort of stuff. I, that's in the next couple of years and such. But if he were to retire two years from now, you'd probably assume Utah would would, would pull back a bit. But I think what the Big 12 and Pac-12 need is, is very much, you know, what mid-majors often get in March Madness sometimes. Sometimes you have to step up and you got to go toe-to-toe. Look at San Diego State, right, who who we both want in our conferences. They, they stepped up to the plate and they beat Alabama, right? You got to be able to do that. You got to have the players do mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. But you know what else San Diego State got? They got to play Furman in the second round. There's no guarantee they beat Virginia. So I think when you're looking at the conferences right. that are at a financial and competitive disadvantage at, at some level, like the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are, you have to have one of those seasons somewhat, somewhat like TCU did this year, and you have to get some breaks. You have to get help. You have to get the right The problem is you matchups. don't get breaks, though, when they reach the end of the line. And so I want to touch on your Oregon State point because I, I want to compare Oregon State to Kansas State. Okay. So Kansas State – is I think Kansas State under Bill Snyder and then now under Chris Kleiman is a great example of what you talked about. Perennial eight-win team. And when those perennial eight-win teams, when you have like, you know, when one of those cycles or two of those cycles have like the right collection of guys, that eight, nine goes to, you know, eight, seven, eight goes to nine, 10, and sometimes even 11. And Kansas State is a good example this year. They were nine and three. They had three losses along the way, but mm-hmm. they end up beating TCU in the championship game in a, a, an absolute thrill ride of a game. And then they, they, you know, they batter uh, Alabama for about two minutes, three, three minutes. And then Alabama, you know, Bryce Young does showed why he's the number one pick was just dropping unbelievable dimes everywhere. And so that's the problem. And I hate to do this to, to the, you know, the state university schools, to the public schools, but it's, it's weird to think. It feels odd to think that the public schools are, are the ones that are going to have a challenge doing it. But the reason why I think a TCU can do it, and I think Oregon's actually an exception, but the reason why TCU and and Baylor feel like examples of schools that have a better chance at it is because when you get the private schools with the potential to get a ton of money, right, from just like the, the really, you know, the massive boosters who are like, all right, you know, we're going to pay whatever it takes. We're going to you know, hire the right guy, all that kind of stuff. Like it, it becomes a bit more possible. I don't know what it is, but you know, I, I maybe it's just because we haven't seen a large state school do it. I guess outside of the um, USC, another example, right? Private school is a, is a Pac-12 version. Private school mid two thousands that kind of had that entire thing rolling. I don't know what it is now. Oregon's the exception, Spencer, because they are Nike's college football school. Right. And so with that becomes a, a different level of economic ability and recruiting ability. I mean, we're talking about now kids, how much they use social media. We see all the time, the recruiting videos, Oregon's got Oregon's better than a lot of sec schools. Uh, you know, Oregon's facilities are just as good as the sec schools. And they out recruit a lot of sec schools as well. Getting, getting kids up, up there can be a, you know, it's a challenge, but they, you know, they, they, have plenty of hits on getting kids up there. Yeah, they they do. And I think on the on the recruiting front, you know, for for schools in both conferences, you, you just have to have to manage expectations at at some level, right? And and I think fans do actually in terms of recruiting. Right, but we're talking about 
doing the whole shebang. I mean, this is kind of expectations. Yeah. Out and, the and, window and, it's, and it's why, by the way, when I've talked about expansion candidates, SMU is near the top of that list because they fall into that private school category in which they have a lot of money. They've got a lot of wealthy donors. They can, they can get a lot of money into that school. And they, and, and by the way, if you're talking about PAC 12 schools, most likely to be able to get into the, the playoff or the national championship discussion in a serious way, in the age of NIL and the portal and just, you know, paying money and paying outrageous salaries to coaches and whatnot, it's unclear as to whether or not they'll be able to do this going forward. But do we all remember what Stanford football was in the early 2010s? Because they were trying to get to a national championship game. They had a 12-1 and Fiesta Bowl champion season, I believe, against Oklahoma State with, with Andrew Luck, and their only loss was to that undefeated regular season Oregon team. Like... That is, I, I think, a testament to what you're talking about, that some places, you know, I think you can look at power five schools across the country and say, in the next 20 years, it's hard to see them winning a national championship. But then, you know, could they do it 30 or 40 years from now? Well, that kind of depends on what happens in, right. in the next 20 years I have the years same thing, so. too. It's like, it's one of those things where if we're talking about short term, it's just so hard. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it it's a long, it's a long build for most of these schools. But I think you have to start looking uh, you know, with NIL and the portal, how much does the portal really balance the scales in terms of competition? Because guys are are so willing to leave, right? Can you increase your blue chip ratio dramatically? I would love for who's who's the guy who does the blue chip ratio? Bud Elliott. Bud Elliott. Yeah, Bud Elliott. I would I would love to see him. Here's a picture of that from last, from last um, year. Yeah, that that that's a great that's a great graphic right there. And you got a lot of the biggest brands and most successful teams in college football year in and year out. So. I think what I would be fascinated to see is how 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 does that ratio change or how does it kind of even out a bit or how can some schools increase their ratio with the portal now, right? Is it, you know, right. uh, a, a net zero result because they have just as many high profile pl players leaving smaller schools as, as coming in who, you know, didn't live up to the hype or it didn't work out at, at their previous power five stop, whatever the case may be. Or is there a net positive there to where they can have better players on the roster and be more competitive in that space? But I, I, I don't think it's impossible for a Pac-12 or a Big 12 team to win a national championship. Is it you know, a, a longer shot? Yes, absolutely. But is it out of the realm of possibility? I, I don't think so, no, right? The same way that I, I am firmly of the belief and have been for many years that a mid-major will win a national championship. And we just had another mid-major team in the national. Well, yeah, they've game. been close. I mean, Butler obviously has been there. Right, right. Butler's been there. Gonzaga has been there. Now San Diego State has been there. Like, just yeah, but go basketball, down the list. basketball is so much different. It is because yep. of the yeah, lack of players on the court. Right. Yes. I mean, it's only five guys at a time, and also these these are college players. You know. Um, there are the restrictions on which guys can be in college basketball are, are not as stringent, you know, or like, you know, you can leave earlier college football. There are limits on when, you know, certain guys, you know, can go or, you know, how long they have to be there and stuff. And I, I hate to, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom like they can't do it, but guys, this is why we talk about the financial gap, you know, it's being created by the big 10 and by the sec, right? Yeah. Now. It's going to make it even harder. It, it just makes it even, even harder. And, but the other point of this too, like, the the blue chip ratio is not a guarantee of success. 
No, it is not. Just see A&M. Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Texas. Florida. Auburn. Uh, you know, I, I would say, I would say, uh, oh yeah, OU has been so good for so long. Last year was obviously down coach, transition coaching, but like Miami, right? Uh, Auburn did not have a good year last year. Yeah, no, it, know, it all, is Florida it, not it, a good it, year it last year. One factor to consider, but it's it but it, not, it is a it is a necessity to be on there to, to be, win yeah, a championship. Yeah, to be, to be on there, but just getting there is is not good enough right if right. money were the only thing that mattered in college football texas would win every year they've got the biggest budget i believe in yeah in the country like recruiting budgets like insane. yeah from yeah. a revenue standpoint but that's not it what is what is all about like i was talking about earlier you you've got to have the money you got to have the resources to get there you got to bring in the players you got to have the right coach you got to have the right culture and you got to have the right season you, right. You've got to have, and by that you mean also the uh, the stuff around you has to, you know, right, you have the right, 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 exactly. And sometimes you, you do need things to go your way. Now that may be, you know, lessened a bit. Again, to my chagrin, in the twelve team playoff where you're going to have much more leeway in any given regular season. But think about even Alabama this past year; they had the number one pick in the NFL draft, and they had, you number know, a, a top ten pick at running back and number, and number three too. Oh yeah, and they had the number three pick in the draft. Right. So how could I possibly forget? I don't know where Jameer Gibbs get when. Where did he go? Like six? number twelve, uh, yeah, twelve no, or fourteen to the Lions, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, twelve or fourteen to the Lions. Like just go down all the talent that that they had on their team last year, but they were one game away, right? So, and that's what I'm talking about. With you have to have the right season in addition to all of the other things. It, it's why I love college football so much. The standard, the threshold for winning is so much higher than every other sport. There's such a small margin for error. And it's why I, I just, why I, why I think we all can't get enough of it because yeah. And, and we, and we're in this kind of state of, of flux a bit in the sport where, you know, I I'm really, really intrigued to what, to what I mentioned earlier. And I'll wrap up today with this is like, what does the ratio for, for rosters look like after four years of this wild, wild west transfer portal NIL. How does that tip the scales? I've always been of the belief the portal is more impactful than than NIL on college football. I think that has been bared out to this point. But what does it do for teams that haven't quite been able to get to that ratio in, in previous years? How does the portal help or hurt them in that? I, I think it's a really, really interesting question. And we won't know until right. uh, until sufficient time passes we can gather some information. I'll give you my thought on this and I'll get yours on it as we get out of here. So if I had to pick three teams in order, uh, you know, if I just say, okay, these three teams, if you put the conference as one big conference together, big 12 and pack 12, say you have to pick three teams in the next 30 years to win a championship, which three are you taking? I would say Ooh. Oregon, Oregon, yeah. I would take as number one Oregon has because, to be because, and they have to be number one because they are the only school that currently actually fits the one criteria that <laughs> absolutely has to happen. So I think they get there by that. I would say TCU and Baylor as well because they fit that private school mode. And here's the thing. We've seen TCU in a championship game. So they, there is proof of concept that you can get both talented players in the portal. You can get good coaches. You can get all, all those things that you need there and get put guys in the league, which obviously is really important to get more players because they can say, hey, I can go to the league from there. Baylor uh, is coming off a year where they had, you know, two years ago, they had a really terrible quarterback. They did not have good quarterback play, but their defense, which was elite, 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 under Dave Aranda, who is coached at that level, uh, their facilities are great, right? They have a coach that I think is going to end up being very good. They have the ability to get talented players. They have put a lot of guys in the league. And also Baylor, the thing is, Spencer, we've seen in the last 15 years, three separate coaches have won 10-plus games there. Art Bryles did it. 
Um, Matt Rule did it. And also Dave Aranda did it. So succeeding at a super high, high, high level at a, you know, basically elite level is possible there. So that's why I would, I would give those three to you. What do you think? Oh, boy, that's, that's tricky. And you can tell I'm responding to this on the spot. Um, even with my personal bias aside, I think Oregon is a pretty clear Yeah, I think, it, yeah, I think there's no debate. Yeah, they've been in two national championship games in the last, you know, 12 seasons or, or, or so. Um, hmm. I, I, I like your point on Baylor. I think that, I think that is an intriguing one. And I feel like I've seen them, you know, be at that level conference championship, college football playoff level more consistently actually than TCU, right. Over, over the several coaches as, as you referenced my instinct. And again, I've got a PAC 12 flag hanging behind me here. I, I, I've thought about Washington in my head. I've thought about Utah in my head. And again, I, I have thought about Stanford, but I don't, I, I would hesitate to put the Cardinal in there because I've seen them at their peak, but this is a new world of college football. And they don't look like at this point in time, they're really super keen on, on playing the NIL transfer portal game. And is that going to be a huge competitive disadvantage? But if they were to open the floodgates a little bit on that front, Stanford has the sort of money that you're referencing with TCU and Baylor. They absolutely did. They can care about what, whatever they want. Their boosters, they donors, they, whoever. They're going to have to care about football. I just, Right. I, yeah. At some no. point in time. So I put that question in there, but I'll, I'll go with Washington just because I've seen them make the playoff Makes before. Sense. And I've now right. seen them have two playoff caliber teams like with Baylor with, with, with two different coaches. My instinct would be to put Utah because they're the two time defending champions. But as Utah has, has, you know, ascended, the rubber has met the road twice for them against their big 10 opponents, which is they have number one. And then number two, they don't seem to capitalize on the recruiting front as much, right? We're talking about the ratio and it sounds kind of silly, but history shows you that that's kind of what you need to be able to do. And I think for Utah, they have to make more of an effort. We've seen, you know, individual players like a Clark Phillips. It was, was a super highly rated recruit, not the sort of guy Utah ever had access to, but their classes are, you know, still very much founded upon doing a little bit more with a little bit less. And that's, great for Utah, part of their identity. But if you're going to take that next step, I think Washington's got, got a greater potential to do so. I, I've seen them do it before. And, and I think, you know, market-wide and recruiting potential, I, I think is greater at Washington. So I'll, I'll throw the Huskies in there over TCU by, by a little bit. But I, I like that. I really do like that Baylor pick because I, I like right as you thought about it, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. They've yeah, won with a lot of different stadium. coaches. Yeah. And when you can win at a high level with that many different coaches, I think it's a testament to the, the financial support that you have and the cultural right. support that you have at the university. And they're putting guys in the league at a lot of positions. The, the one they're actually not doing is quarterback, and that's because the Baylor system has not been one that's produced. Uh, no, no it's not, not at and this I, point. I mean, that's kind yeah, of, it's, that's it's kind of like the next step for them, right? But it's, also, it's not it's new offense now. Totally new offense for them. Yeah, yeah so, completely. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation. Obviously, it's going to be a big one, and – Look, the entire college ball is not just winning about and not just about winning national championships. I think it's what make what makes the sport great, right? You know, uh, progress for your team, your fan base is fantastic, and that's what we should all care about. It's not always about who lifts that trophy at the end. Obviously, it's the goal, but you know, it's not always about that. So that's why we like it. All right, Spencer, where can the folks find you and all of your work in its variety? 
Well, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my Twitter handle right down there is at Smalls underscore 55. I host Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And we had so much fun with this collaboration yesterday. Josh and I just decided to do it again. So hope you all enjoyed. And I'm sure you all will be seeing this when we've already done our roundtable. Uh, I know yes. folks are gearing up for tonight as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. So, yeah. The big expansion table. Should be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at L O Big 12. You guys can find the show, uh, find the show on Twitter at L O Big 12. Find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Get the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, Spencer. Talk to you next week.